Hello, Polyam fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Hello, Polyam fam, and welcome back to Talk Your Poly Off, the podcast where we discuss all things polyamory. Before we get into this, I would like to thank everybody who listens, everybody who's reached out to us, the people who've used our typo phone, 209-536-8976. Or 209-536-TYPO. And have asked questions or given comments. I think that next episode, we're going to use some of the stuff that we've gotten off of the typo phone. Yeah. But today... We're going to talk our poly off about talking our poly off. We like to talk uh, talk our poly off. Right. And sometimes that doesn't happen to just other polyamorous people. Can I just mention really quick that it has been sunshiny and it's warming up and I can't wait for summer. Yeah, I'm eager to get out and do outside stuff. That's my outside PSA. The sun is starting to come through. My plants are perking up and I can't wait for warmer weather. Yeah, I get those sun vitamins. Sun vitamin D. Sun vitamin D. Yeah, that. I make up jingles now. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's good. So we're going to talk about talking about polyamory. (laughs) Yes. According to recent studies, 4 to 5% of all adults in the U.S. have had some sort of consensual non-monogamous relationship. Over the past few decades, even more so the last 10 years, people are becoming more vocal about how monogamy and the one true love forever and ever concept doesn't necessarily work for them. So it's very likely that a monogamous person will engage in conversation with someone around them in their circle around the topic of consensual non-monogamy of some sort. That's pretty interesting. And today we're not talking about bringing the idea of polyamory up to a partner and potentially opening up a relationship. Right. This discussion, we're assuming that that's already gone or not part of the equation. We're talking about discussing ethical non-monogamy to other people in your life. Yeah. I mean, we lovingly refer to them as outsiders. Or if you're a Harry Potter fan, the muggles, they're people who are not in the poly or E&M or C&M circles. Maybe it's someone you're meeting out at the bar and you're just sitting next to Or maybe it's someone from your group of friends and you've got a new partner, so suddenly you've got two partners, and this friend comes over for gaming and they're like, wait, holy shit, who is this other partner? You've got two girlfriends? That's always kind of a fun one. (laughs) As a poly practitioner. Yes. Oh, I like that. A poly practitioner. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and this has come up with me at work, right? Where... They know I'm married and then, you know, talking about my wife. And then, and then I talk about going out on a date with this girl and they're like, wait, what? (laughs) Or they ask how your weekend was. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My girlfriend and I went out and did this or this partner and I went out and did this. And they're like, wait a minute. What about your wife? I thought you were married. (laughs) So it's these kind of things. These scenarios that we want to talk about talking our poly off. Yep. So there's a few typical, I think, discussion topics that come up when somebody outside of the polyamorous world 
engages in conversation with you. And of course, there's regular conversation, but specifically when they want to talk about your strange out of the box relationship dynamic, they want to know what draws you. Why are you doing this? Like you're already happily married, been together 20 years, you've raised kids, everything's great, life is peachy. Why are you poly now? Right. Well, and then also really quick, this isn't quite even coming out as poly right. to this- family and friends. This is just normalizing it and treating it as a normal part of your life. And then people having experience dealing with you openly being poly. It's not a big relationship reveal. This is just your normal everyday life. Yeah. And I mean, we've encountered it with the bartender at Red Robin. Or we'll go to a convention and there's three of us sitting up front. and He's got his hand on both ladies' knees. And the person presenting at the convention is like, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah, that actually happened when we went to Crypticon. It's a horror convention. Bella and my wife and I went to Crypticon a couple years back, and there was a panel discussion that I really wanted to hear. We got lucky enough to sit front and center. And, you know, while we're there, we're listening, the whole panel's talking, people are asking questions, and we're up front, and I get to be with both of my partners and you know, I might have ended up giving you a kiss and mm-hmm. a little later I ended up giving my wife a kiss. Or, or you're holding, holding hands. Both your hands or yeah. something. And the panel who's watching the entire audience would occasionally look at us and be like, hmm. <laughs> but they're not going to be able to interrupt their panel to discuss this. Right. But one of the people on the panel specifically couldn't stop watching us. And he seemed so perplexed the whole time. Yeah. And then after it was all over and everyone's filing out of the room... That panel presenter actually came and talked to us. Well, we we were actually in the hallway for a different panel later in the day. And he remembered us hours later. He was going to this other panel discussion as a viewer and was like, wait a minute, you guys are sitting front and center at my panel discussion. What's going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that that topic comes up a lot, the whole like, oh, what, why are you doing this? What draws you to Polly? And then I think some, a few other topics, you know, people on the outside of it have a certain mindset that they were raised with. And mm-hmm. so they don't understand this new open mindset that they've never heard of before. Right. And so a lot of the discussion that happens is learning to unlearn. Well, how did you even hear about this? And how did you make the leap from, you know, happily ever after with my Prince Charming to... I can love however and how many ever I want. So the learning to unlearn some of these like behaviors and mindsets. And then of course, their first questions about ethical non-monogamy are, how do you communicate with all these people? And don't you get jealous? Actually, I think the first discussions I have about it in general is, so you're cheating on your partner? Yes, that comes up all the time. That's like right out of the box. And because I'm so open, like in my work environment, this is normal for me. Right. And I try to maintain the normalization of this in my life. So I don't try to make a big production like, hey, everybody, guess what? Look, here's pictures of three people I'm having sex with. (laughs) Aren't you jealous? Right? Like, that's not my goal. I'm just going to talk about my life. If they're talking about what they did on Fourth of July weekend, and then they ask me what I did... I'm not going to cover it up. I'm right. not going to hide. I'm not ashamed or worried. I'm just going to say what it is. And so oftentimes it comes up really quick. Like, 
so wait, you're cheating on your wife with this person? <laughs> or how are you living with your girlfriend and not your wife? Mm-hmm. All these weird things where the very first thing is they're thinking that you're cheating in some way, and then they might be resistant to deal with you much further because they don't know how to deal with things. Right. So that's usually my first experience with it. Interesting. I always get the jealousy first. Okay. I get the, like, how do you... How how do you manage that? I couldn't do it because I would just be too jealous. I get that too. Yeah. And it's like, well, well, I get jealous too. Like that's still in existence. I've just learned to unlearn some of these other things and how to manage it right. kind of thing. And of course, we've got jealousy episodes. You can scroll back and look for those. Yeah. Oh, and another one that I really like is the disbelief. Mm-hmm. There's no way that you have all these relationships <laughs> with all these people. You're full of shit. You actually mentioned the Red Robin guy. Yeah. And we initially, you know, because when we go out, oftentimes we're outgoing. We like saying hi to people, making good conversation. Pro tip, make good conversation with your bartender on a regular (laughs) basis. Because the better you get at it, the deeper the drinks go. (laughs) We love our Red Robin bartenders. So when he was first learning about us and like he'd come over to the table because we're interesting or we'd talk about fun things yeah. and he'd want to engage in conversation. Plus, it's part of his job. Tumbleweed snowmen drew him in initially. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing apparently in the lower states where they don't get snow. Anyway, <laughs> so eventually after a few times ago in there, it came out that we dated multiple people and he'd never believe it. He'd never believe it for the longest time. Right. And he's like, you're full of shit. And you know, in some ways he thought it was cheating and he's like, I'll believe that this is something that people can do when you actually come in here with more than one partner at the same time. (laughs) And you know, naturally challenge accepted. (laughs) We went in there a few times with different people that each of us on our own were dating. Right. Yep. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> that was fun. That was a good time. Yeah. So often the initial conversations are disbelief. Confused. They don't mm-hmm. understand. Yeah. And maybe they're looking for more information. Maybe it's just morbid curiosity. <laughs> but sometimes it helps awareness. So when we're talking about being open with polyamory in the public in some fashion or another. Yeah. I think that the big idea is to think about the goal of the discussion. If you want to be the shock rocker that just amazes or disgusts people by the things you say, (laughs) uh, you know, you're naturally going to start giving off some pretty bad vibes. Yeah. So think about what you're trying to say or what the end game of this is. You know, like, sorry. No, go ahead. Just like if they're asking questions, do they, are they curious are they information seeking? Do they want to know more about it? Right. Or are they asking for advice to get in? How do I get into it? Right. So basically, you're talking about awareness around polyamory mm-hmm. yep. or education in polyamory. You could be just getting people to understand your life a little bit better. Like what the reference I used at work is when when you're around the same people for a long amount of time, you start learning more about each other. Mm-hmm. And that's where this kind of concept has become very present in my life is that because I'm open and often work in environments where we can share our life stories, they start getting confused when there are players in the game that they weren't aware were there. Right, right. You're going to immediately come off as some kind of alien concept, I guess, 
to these people who don't know anything, the muggles, mm-hmm. the uninitiated, yep. who don't really understand ethical non-monogamy and anything where there's multiple partners means cheating or deceit. Right. So just getting them to be able to understand a little bit that you're more human than they might think you are yeah. is another way of finding the goal for talking about polyamory. I've also had friends come to me who are monogamous to their core. Like, this is just polyamory, ethical non-monogamy is not for them. They are monogamous. But they've heard enough and they've watched over time and they come to me for advice on things. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with, oh, being a life coach or a relationship coach. It's you live this lifestyle. I've seen you manage bumps and things that come up in this I'm going to come to you for advice for how to manage it here in my monogamous relationship. Yeah, and that takes a while in general because often what I've found is that they don't want to get advice from people who practice non-monogamy because their preconceived notion often is, well, they're just going to tell me to jump ship or fill this void with something new. Oh, yeah. They're clearly not committed. Right. Yeah. And and I think we talked a lot about that a couple episodes ago. But they initially think, well, how am I going to get advice from someone who just whores around all the time or someone who doesn't understand how to just maintain one relationship? Now, these questions usually come from a friend that's been around for a while. Right. And someone who's seen that not only do you have one successful committed relationship, but in theory, in general, multiple. Yep. And you manage multiple relationships well. And they're like, wait, they obviously have more experience running at the same time. Right. Well, and and even, I need help right now. And even if they're not, you know, in terms of success, and I'm doing air quotes around success, maybe they're not these big, grand, successful relationships, but your friend has seen you come in and out of heartbreak and how yeah. to manage breakups or big fights and, and issues that arise. So it's not even that they're like, oh, you're successful relationship guru. I need your wise words. But oh, man. I've seen you come in and out of lots of relationships for good or bad, but you've always managed it really well. Give me your advice. Yeah, you've got the experience I need. Yeah. Another, now this one's maybe a little touchier, but another way that talking about polyamory is important to someone who's not polyamorous is on a date. Mm. Now, there are plenty of polyamorous people who will say that they will never date monogamous people. Right. And I understand a lot of why they say that. But not everyone has always been polyamorous. Everyone started somewhere. Right. You might find yourself going out on a date with someone who is monogamous. Maybe you hit each other up on an online dating site. Even if your profile says, I am polyamorous... They don't know what that means or they don't know enough about it. Right. I've gone on dates with monogamous people. I'm present with what I say on my online profile. We get to meet in person. We get to talking. And they're like, so I don't quite get how this polyamory thing works. Yeah. Like, are you just dating other people until you find the one? They'll have questions. Yeah. And... That's another time we're talking about polyamory to someone who's not polyamorous Mm -hmm. might end up becoming prevalent in your life. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting one. And I've been there for sure. And then there's even advocating, advocating for alternate lifestyles, polyamory and the LGBTQIAA plus community Mm -hmm. 
often are very intersected. As is the kink world. As is the kink world. A lot of people who live in a marginalized reality. Mm -hmm. Advocating for polyamory is another aspect of talking about polyamory and, and with the end goal in mind of trying to normalize a lifestyle in helping other people open their minds and their hearts to others. Right. Like, I didn't even know this existed until somebody opened up and advocated for it, you know, over mm -hmm. 10 years ago now. But I didn't even know it was a thing, let alone a thing that I was like, oh, this is who I am. This is part of how I've always lived my life. I just didn't know what it was. Right. So without people being open and advocates for it, I never would have stumbled across it. Right. And this goes beyond just creating awareness about it or providing education for it. This also helps make the presence of it and the existence of it not just known, but working to make it accepted. Yeah. And that helps not just polyamory, but the LGBT community, mm -hmm. the kink community, a lot of marginalized realities. Yep. I don't want to say communities because some of it's not even a community. It's just a reality. Yeah. And so this provides another doorway for people to open to learn how to accept different lives mm -hmm. than their own. It's like, okay, if they can make the step or make that leap to accept this and be like, okay, I can open up and understand how this is a thing, then it's one more step towards the next one. And yeah. it's all these baby steps to becoming more open. Right. So we've, we've talked a lot about where and how this might affect. So mm -hmm. let's talk about talking about it. I think one of the first things to remember or keep in mind, and this is just my opinion on it, when you're talking to someone brand new to this idea or concept, I don't want to overwhelm or scare them. Yeah. Right? I want them to remain receptive to the idea. So I don't, I don't want to throw everything at them at once. I also don't want to be too nonchalant about it. Like, it's no big deal because this is how I love. This is who I am. And if I play it off, they're not going to take me seriously. Yeah. So I have to find kind of a middle ground of I'm really excited to share this part of my life with you and tell you all about it without shoving it down their throat or throwing too much at them at the same time. Right. So this is a concept of reading the room. <laughs> you want to learn to understand the person you're speaking with. You want to know enough about them to understand like... What they're going to be open to. Oh, oh. Yeah. Is it like, okay, let's say we've got a gaming session, right? We've got D&D &D and we've got some non-poly friends that are coming over to play D&D. &D and suddenly they realize we're polyamorous and this opens the discussion. I would try and connect with that friend more in like a, can you imagine having a polycule that you can game with? Where like people just connect and come over because you like hanging out together mm -hmm. and you don't have to gather other friends because you're all in relationship for your gaming crew. Right. Like that would connect with that person. Yeah. You want to find their connections. You you want to, this is really, you're just getting to know someone else. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all try to get to know someone else. Right. And the oh, more... I'm on a roll. Okay, I'm on go. A roll. Go. What if I know that they're a parent and they've got multiple kids, and then it's like, okay, now imagine having other parental types in your family unit that can help with the running of errands and taking kids to sports. Yeah. Like that would strike a chord with them. They would understand that because right. they spend their day running the kids everywhere. Well, and not just not just the aspect of hey, this is how we could help each other out. But also, this is how we can connect and bond together. Yeah. 
So it takes the abstract thought process out of it or diminishes the the weight of it, I guess, right. by showing where the non-abstract is heightened. Because well, and I like to take it out of a sexual aspect, too, because that's another first go-to that a lot of people have. When yeah, you get to have a lot of sex. <laughs> it's all orgies, right? I mean, sure, yeah, that sounds fun, but I mean, like, I can help with the kids, too. <laughs> right. Like, you four go into the room, we'll hang out here and watch Disney movies. Right. So it's like making it more a reality to them in... A sense that they understand. I'm not trying to force Polly on anyone. Mm -hmm. It's probably not their thing. However, they can understand it and kind of empathize. Right. And that's another way of understanding that you don't want to scare them off from it. If they get nervous or guarded around topics of sex, don't try to explain how polyamory is great because of the sex. Yeah. <laughs> Reading the room. Right. And it's not just the individual person that you're talking to. I use work a lot because, I mean, let's be real. When you're working a full-time job, you probably spend more time with your coworkers than right. you do with your partner at home. Right. But when you're at work, you might have five people that work around you. And one person is really interested in what's going on in your polyamorous life. Like it's almost their soap opera <laughs> or, you know, and the conversation's always positive and flowing and they're still learning that it's not TV drama. It's mm -hmm. just real life. But there might be someone else in your work environment or your immediate work area that is really disgusted <laughs> because of other reasons that they're hearing you talk to this one person and it's negatively affecting their own personal experiences. Right. So when you're in a group setting of any type, you want to also read the room. If you can see that one person is struggling with what's being said, maybe that part of what's being said should be toned down or removed from the conversation in that moment. Mm -hmm. And you could even say, look, I know that you're asking all these questions and I'd like to answer those. Can we do that maybe at a later time when, right. you know, we're not affecting other people? Right. So you want to read the audience in the room as well. Yep. And it really also, using the work, you also have to be aware of workplace policies. Yeah, watch out for those HR trips. Right. Because ultimately, in my experience, in general, when people are asking about it, they want to know. They're interested. They're excited. They want to learn something new. But there are times where you might be talking about how, you know, hey, what did you do for the weekend? Well, the five of us went out and we ended up having sex. At and the club. Talking about a sex club. Yeah. And then that person over there who might have this secret bitter <laughs> vengeance against you is like, oh, they're talking about sex at work. Now I can turn them into HR. Right. And now your butt's on the line. So be mindful of that kind of scenario as well. Yeah, especially at the workplace. I know I've got a few coworkers who were friends of mine from the community before I got hired there. Like I knew them outside of work first. Yeah. And so we'll have discussions in the break room all the time, but we have to be really careful about who's sitting in the break room with us yeah. and how loud we're being if it travels, you know? Yeah. And another view of when to be mindful, of course, is when there are younger people present. There yeah. are certain things that are not proper to 
Yeah, and discuss openly in front of children and stuff. So obviously you're gonna yeah read the room on that. It's usually around outside, you know, in parks, or if you're sitting in a restaurant and the table next to you has a teenager that's listening in, or you know, things like that. Yeah, and then another aspect of you got me on this reading the room tangent. Yeah, another aspect is beyond. Think of it like a pond. You throw a rock in the pond. The rock is polyamory. It hits the water. And then the ripples are the conversations or the discussions. Mm-hmm. And the further the ripple goes out, the more of the pond it reaches. So in this aspect, the other ripple in the pond beyond a, a close group is your environmental and cultural world. Yeah. Like we live up in the Portland area and talking about polyamory in Portland is like talking about the weather yeah. at some <laughs> You know, it's really not a big deal. But if you're in more conservative areas, like maybe the Bible Belt Mm -hmm. of North America, where, you know, showing ankles is still too promiscuous. Right. That was an exaggeration. (laughs) Anyone down there gets offended of my apologies. But (laughs) for the sake of the discussion, there are some cultural environments where these things are dangerous enough to where you're going to get stoned. Well, and take it international. How many international nude beaches are there where it's fine and nakedness doesn't equal sexualized? Right. And here we've got one local nude beach. But for the most part, if you take your top off and you've got some titties hanging out, people lose their shit. Right. Well, and then there are other countries where there's a lot more cultural etiquette behind being as reserved as possible. And not being as open about certain things. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Okay, so we've run the whole process of from a one-on-one to an entirely global phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about talking about it. With all of the reading the room in mind, can you think of a specific scenario where a monogamous person finds out that you're polyamorous or overhears something? Maybe you guys start a conversation. Okay, so my family tends to have big Thanksgivings at our house, right? Okay, yeah. Technically my parents' house. Not anymore. My mom's got MS. She doesn't really cook anymore. But once upon a time, I mean, we had like 20 people come over for Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. And I can remember one of the first times sitting in the, <laughs> sitting in the living room during probably a Thanksgiving, all these family members are over, and I can remember talking about my boyfriend and his wife. And it was like, uh, because that just comes out naturally, right? Like, yeah, I was hanging out with my boyfriend and his wife, and we went down to the river, blah, 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 whatever the conversation or story was. I can remember all the looks. Now, mind you, most of my grandparents are deceased, so the grandparents weren't there. So it was like aunts and uncles and cousins and siblings and their families, some of which are highly religious, some of which are not. Um, So you kind of have people from different... I want to say backgrounds, but we're all family. So there different walks of life. Different walks of life. Some asked, have asked questions. Some asked questions that same day. Uh, some messaged me later, and they were like, "What the fuck? Are you safe? Are you? Is that? Are you okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> Do I need to pray for you? Do no, I need to pray I'm fine. For you? I'm good. All right, I'll say five hail marys for you. <laughs> I can remember it being really awkward at first and then realizing my mistake of mentioning it and not quite knowing how to backtrack. 
I didn't, again, want to overwhelm people or scare people. So I just remember being very vague at first. And if they just message me if you want to know more. Okay. That's a good way of doing it. <gasps> Scary. Especially in a group setting. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Well, first, how receptive were they in general? I mean, like, I know that there are varying levels of receptiveness. Yeah. I kind of have like a 50-50 split on things. Okay. You know, like I've got a couple siblings that are way more open to it. I've got one sibling who's super supportive with it. I've got another sibling who just really doesn't want to hear anything about it. Do you? But I don't really want to hear it. Right. My parents are pretty supportive, although I get the ja- the shitty jabs every now and then. Just got one the other day. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it comes from a good place. Like they're afraid of me ending up alone. My mom more so than my dad. So she constantly checks in with me. It's really strange, but like I can be open with them. They know everything about my life and they pretend to be super supportive. And if I wanted to invite multiple partners to a holiday, I could. Mm-hmm. But especially when mom starts to drink a little too much wine, those jabs start to come out. So that's really interesting. Right, right. But I mean, I'm fully open on Facebook and everything. So if family wants to be friends with me on Facebook, they're going to see yeah. all of my life. Now, I wasn't there for this particular incident. Yeah. I think I came into the picture maybe a couple of years later. Yeah. But even now watching how you interact with your family. I always know when you have that one sibling who's super supportive (laughs) and you get a message and the message is basically like, oh, someone was, I heard something about polyamory the other day and they were shitting on it and I advocated for you. Yeah, that's pretty cute. And it's super awesome. (laughs) And then, yeah, you know, when we visit your mom, can't go one visit without at least one sideways comment. Yeah. (laughs) And I've seen how other family members are much more distant to you than other family members Mm -hmm. in your bloodline. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) My bloodline. So it is interesting watching it from like a fly on the wall perspective Mm -hmm. about how it all works and all the interactions. Yeah. I know that, oh, I guess it's about two years back we went down to California and you have one family member who maybe dabbles in ethical non-monogamy and is partnered and i got along well with the both of them yeah they're great you know and then i think you have a sibling who might be the religious one Mm -hmm. did not really even deal with that person (laughs) so it's, it's a fun range especially being the outsider the potential threat in your life or one of the potential threats in your life. It's fun to watch the whole thing unfold. Well, now, okay, so my situation in a group setting where it came up was family-related. Yeah. But I know you're not as close to your extended family and whatnot. No. But you guys... (laughs) (laughs) For a lot of good reasons. used to have lots of friend parties and stuff, like in Walla Walla. Yeah, actually, that was something I was going to talk about. Because of the fact that yours was very familial, one of my big scenarios, I guess, is that I've historically had very large friend circles. Yeah. I typically have been able to bring people from all different walks of life together and we can find our commonalities and we develop strong bonds with each other that kind of make it a family in its own way. Right. And before moving to this side of the state, I had a gigantic friend circle. And our home was pretty much the hub of the circle. Yeah. 
Well, that's around the time where we started being very public with our polyamorous lifestyle. Mostly because it's a small town and you can't date without accidentally running into friends anyway. <laughs> but also because we just felt it was the right thing to be as open as possible so that there was no misunderstanding or no miscommunication. And as we were being more bold with our, I guess, coming out, mm -hmm. we definitely saw big shifts in how our circles interacted. Yeah. And you had the people that were like, well, you know, whatever you do, it's up to you. Just like your mom, be safe. Or, right. Or, you know, whatever. But then you'd get the people that would get really excited and they're like, wait, so we can have sex with other people, even though we're together. And like suddenly we're watching people jump into the concept of polyamory mm -hmm. without doing their homework. <laughs> That's always a fun. Because they wanted to have sex. They yeah. basically wanted to swing. Yeah. Because they weren't ready for the emotional or the um, intimate relationship building part of it that maybe ethical non-monogamous who aren't quite swingers develop more commonly yeah i don't want to i was like you made that really difficult i did because <laughs> i know that swingers aren't just like we're gonna fuck and then never see each other again right there are a lot of swingers that just have sex with their friends and that's still a very open and loving totally. relationship but i guess the labels or the expectations are a little different so i didn't want to be dismissive to swingers right a lot of what by you trying saw. to be poly uh, explaining polyamory yeah so a lot of what you saw in your friend circle it sounds like were people who just wanted to have the fun side of it. Or they thought that they could manage themselves and their relationships without knowing how to do the work to get involved. Yeah. So it created a lot of excitement in, <laughs> in the circle. And some people wanted to dip their toes into it. Some people wanted to just jump straight into the deep end. We did lose a couple of friends. They weren't ready to face certain things that would challenge what their reality was. Right. And so they just created their own distance and went their own way, which is totally good. And that's always acceptable. Yeah. You need to feel your comfort zone. And if you're not ready to leave that, don't leave that. Right. But when we saw the agitation happen in a way that it maybe started causing a little bit of friction between people or friends started trying to date friends, again, without putting in all that labor or emotional work to mm -hmm. understand it, Things started getting a little dicey in right. places, right. you know. So it was, it was introducing this fun new thing, and then watching people just wanting at all odds to play with this fun new thing, <laughs> you know, not caring who they bulldozed in the process, which was kind of unfortunate. And so a lot of times we would, you know, while we're doing our thing or you know we're having our parties, there would come a point where, and we were all comfortable with each other. We were always all flirting with each other in general, you know. Yeah. But there would come a point where we had to stop the fun to have a conversation about consent or stop the fun to have a conversation about maybe making sure that emotions are managed properly mm -hmm. or people aren't getting hurt emotionally. Is your spouse on board? Let's go talk to them. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was an exciting time. <laughs> <laughs> and as we went along, we had to do our part because we were basically the catalyst for this. Yeah. We had to do our part to make sure that what was happening was happening responsibly and ethically in general. We weren't yeah. trying to police anyone's relationships. We were just trying to make sure that 
we had information and education and awareness for polyamory in general yeah. going forward. Because we watched, I know there were two divorces because they just jumped headlong and they weren't listening or they weren't paying attention and things just yeah. went sideways. You know, and once you open, and I guess it wasn't like, oh, we waited until they got divorced. It's one of those things where once you open Pandora's box, mm -hmm. it's the act of opening it that everything else happens. Yeah. And no matter how much you try to close it, it can't quite be closed. Right. So once someone gets their own polyamorous Pandora's box to open, <laughs> if they're not ready to handle what comes pouring out, you can't close it by yourself all the time. Yeah. Sometimes you might need help. And well, so, especially when there's multiple people involved, too. Right. It's like a box for each person. And when they live on their own and you don't see them for a week or two, who knows what happens within that week. Right. So as much as we were trying to help make sure that the education was there, people are doing their own thing. Yeah. And sometimes that went too far too fast. I remember one relationship specifically. It was a matter of weeks. Yeah. Before it all came crashing down. Well, and it's funny because, you know, this was all happening in before you and I met. Mm -hmm. And then once you guys moved out here, I was introducing you to a lot of the community on this side, mm -hmm. which all of my friends happen to be polyamorous, kink, lifestyle related in some sort of way, right. which then meant your whole friend circle that was getting created was now all lifestyle and polyamorous. And now we've swung from you guys introducing it to your friend circle to now our whole friend circle is poly. Mm -hmm. Now we kind of want to go back to having some friends who are not polyamorous, right. which I think kind of sparked some of this discussion on, you know, how do you talk to outsiders about polyamory? Because right. we're leaning back to, I want to make friends who have more to talk about other than just poly. Right. Well, and that was one of the things is when I lived on that side of the state, I created a polyamory group so that I could meet more people who understood and, and recognized polyamory. It wasn't quite successful. It goes back to thinking about your cultural environment. Mm -hmm. I lived on a more conservative side of the state. Yeah. So when my wife and I moved west to the less conservative side of the state, the group was successful because not only did you bring me into your circle, but I was also developing a lot of connections through the group mm -hmm. and everyone was polyamorous. So I went from being the poly educator over there to just being another one of the gang over <laughs> here. Yeah. And it is quite the vast difference. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's matured to the point to where just being connected with polyamory while still amazing isn't, satisfying it's yeah. like it's like having multiple partners for that reason is that these partners fulfill these needs and these partners fulfill these needs maybe the polyamory partner need is met and now we want to meet people that are more into doing disc golf or outdoor activities yep. or kayaking you know, kayaking and the need to have them being polyamorous or the desire to have them being polyamorous isn't so prevalent and so when we meet these people, we're going to have to encounter that all over again yeah. as introducing our lifestyle in the sake of under, helping them understand that we're a little different. Early on, we might not have felt as comfortable talking to new people about our lifestyle or felt as confident in the educating part. And maybe we didn't know all the terms and we're like, I don't know, we're just doing our thing. This is what we're doing. 
And now we've matured to the point where we're like, we know and understand a lot of ethical non-monogamy. And not that we want to educate everybody, but we feel more confident speaking on the topic to someone on the outside. So it's almost like we, for a while, kind of enclosed ourselves or circled ourselves with similar people so we can all bounce ideas off each other and we're talking about all the same things. And now it's like, okay... Like I've, I've learned what I could here and now I need some broader spectrum of people in my circle because I, I feel okay talking about it with these outsiders. I can see that. I think part of mine is that there for a while because I spent all of my time trying to help people on that side of the state yeah. understand at least so that there wasn't as much judgment or even help them manage their own relationships so it didn't fall apart like a couple of the bad scenarios. I spent a lot of my time having to explain polyamory in general. And coming over to this side of the state, it was nice having a community that was all polyamorous. I didn't have to re-explain things over and over and over and over again. Right. So it gave me a break from educating and... Now, I don't need that break anymore. Yeah. And I want to meet, again, more people from all different walks of life. I just am prepared to understand that they don't quite know much about polyamory. And it's going to come up if they get to know me. And I'm going to have some explaining to do. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, ultimately, I think if we go back to bring this in a little bit, you think about the goal of the conversation. I think that's the biggest key point is when people start asking you about polyamory, you ha- you got to have some kind of goal in mind on why you're going to explain it to them. Right. I think being patient with them is, is a big point too, especially if they're brand new to it and they don't know anything. They might say things that are even maybe a little offensive. You know, you might be like, oh, no, like you can't say that. That's, you know, that's right. not okay. But having some patience with them so you can educate them as to why something's not okay or, you know, yeah, we're going to, you know, seek our unicorn kind of a thing and be like, okay, cool. That's great. Do you watch out for these pitfalls along the way and just keep an open mind about this? Yeah. And then allow them to grow with empathy and compassion. Like the unicorn thing Mm -hmm. is a great example. It's a very common thing for polyamorous people to... Burn the witch at the stake as far as unicorn hunting goes. And that's, while I understand the passion behind making sure that people understand certain unethical aspects of it, I think that if we approach things with a little bit of empathy and compassion, it might not feel like a witch trial and someone might actually learn better ways of living through softer communication. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think the the purpose of the conversation, having some patience, reading the room, understanding the audience, mm. I think those are all really great key terms. And I think that's a great starting point to talking about polyamory with anyone on the outside who doesn't know or understand it yet. Yeah. And accepting their reality. Mm-hmm. It, so I, I'm thinking about this date that I went on, oh, I'd say about five years ago. Why I remember this random stuff is beyond me. (laughs) But I went on this date about five years ago with someone here in this area. Yeah. We met up on one of the dating sites. We decided to meet in public. We went down to a bar I liked. And that was the first thing off the bat. So I don't understand this polyamory thing. 
you know, through the conversation and all of this, sure, it made the date awkward as fuck. Right. You know, but it got it out there and it got it on the table and it helped make informed, educated decisions beyond that. She didn't like the idea of it. And I could have thrown a little tantrum and made a big spectacle of myself and stormed out. Right. But I accepted that that was not what she wanted. And I was even understanding that she might be feeling pretty awkward and said, look, okay, it's totally cool. You don't have to get it. We don't have to date. You know, maybe I'll just buy your drink. Thank you for coming out. We can have conversations about anything or, you know, you can, we can part ways and it's okay. Right. I accepted that that's not something that she wanted or that wasn't a part of where she was in life. Right. You weren't going to force it on her. Right. And I wasn't going to get mad that she didn't want that. So I accepted it. I gave a peace offering saying, you know, no harm, no foul. You know, thanks for coming out. Yeah. (laughs) It was nice to meet you. (laughs) And if we make a friendship, cool. If we never see each other again, I understand. Yeah. So accepting what they're comfortable with and not pushing is also a big deal. Well, I think we've covered quite the spectrum. I think we got through a lot. I feel like we talked about talking about talking about polyamory. I mean, how do you talk about it unless someone's like asking you questions and talk? You can't talk about it, but you can talk about talking about it. Yeah. (laughs) So I think. So we're playing the meta game here. (laughs) If you've got questions about talking about talking about talking about Polly. Shoot us a quick message on any of our social media, text us, or leave us a voicemail on the typo phone. That's 1-209-536-8976. 536-typo. Typo. And yeah, let us know what you think, or if you've got questions, maybe we'll do a follow-up episode with some of those questions. Yeah. All right. Well, I think you're right. I think that pretty much sums it up, and we can uh, quit talking about talking about Polly. Yeah. Let's go actually, Polly. Put this doggy to rest. I like that. Let's <laughs> actually go, Polly. All right, we'll talk to you next time, Polly. See you fan. next Tuesday. Bye now. Thank you for talking your Polly off with Bella and Monsina. You can find our Facebook page in the links, or by searching for "I Love Polly" and liking the page "Polyamory Get Your Heart On." You can also find "I Love Polly" on Instagram and Twitter by searching "I Love Polly Cares." If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepoly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepoly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polly and fam. Live like there's no tomorrow. Laugh until it hurts. And and love love without without limits. limits.